Amen. God bless you. Uh, welcome to Church on the Hill. We're so glad you're all here. I'm going to say it again. Happy Father's Day. Um, it's so interesting how God works. I've told y'all before that as a worship team, we pick out our music about a month in advance. And It As Well is my dad's favorite song. And we didn't do the exact traditional It As Well, but it's about as close as we get sometimes. Um, and I saw that we were doing it this morning, and I'm like, well, that's interesting. Then we started singing it this morning, and I felt like it just really spoke to, um, you know, with Colin going off. And I've got a daughter I'm going to be married this week, and just a lot of having to let go. Uh, and I'm going to wind up getting teary. I'm going to go ahead and cry today so I don't cry at the wedding. <laughs> I have to walk her down the... <laughs> Are you crying? Don't cry. <laughs> There's no crying in baseball. Um, <laughs> I've got to walk her down the aisle and then turn around and officiate. And I, she's told me, she said, I don't mind you doing it as long as you can hold yourself together. And I'm like, well, I make no guarantees. But, you know, let go of my soul and trust in him. Waves and wind still know his name. You're all being faced with something. Everybody's got challenges. And even though I've got a daughter that's about to step out into a new life, Colin's about to step in, out into a new, to a new life, you guys are going to leave here today stepping out into a new life, stepping out into what you're facing. And I believe that that song just so speaks to you if you would just let go and let God be a part of what you're walking through. It really just gave me peace to know you know, if I, I'm not sending a son uh, to military school, uh, but I know God knows and has him in his hands. And I can't speak that for you. I'm not his daddy. Um, but I do know my daddy. I know my earthly father, and I know my, God, my godly father. And uh, they've, got, they've, they've got him, and they've got y'all. I can't look at you. You're going to make me cry every time I look at you. It's a... Uh, all right, turn with me in your Bibles, Luke chapter 10. We've been talking the last two weeks. It's really been geared toward outreach, but it's really been, I feel like the Lord's been just completely dealing with our hearts. It's, I don't know how you felt, but I felt like it's been pretty deep. Um, these two commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength. And the second one is like the first. Um, and it said that this is the first and foremost to the first commandment. The second commandment's like the first, love your neighbor as yourself. And I feel like the Lord has really been trying to reveal himself to our hearts. Um, I, I hope that it's been taking root in your heart. Today, hopefully, is going to be a little bit lighter, but not much. Um, but we're going to continue the same thought of how to love our neighbor. Luke chapter uh, 10, verse 25. And I have changed gears a little bit. This is from the Amplified. So it's going to read a little bit different. And there's a lot, we're going to read a lot. So just hang in there with me and ask the Lord right now to speak to your heart as we read his word. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And a certain lawyer, an expert in Mosaic law, stood up to test him saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he replied, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this habitually, and you will live. Now, again, that's where we left off the last two weeks. Um, a, man, a scholar came to Jesus and said, what's the most important commandment? And uh, Jesus answered, love God. 
Most important, love God. And out of that love, when you get that one correct, what's going to happen is you are going to love people like God loves people. You're going to change. Your love for people is going to change, and your outward expression of you fulfilling the first commandment is going to be you fulfilling the second commandment. Are you all with me? The, the manifestation of you really loving God is going to be you loving each other. It's going to be outward. We're going to see it. If you'll get the first one right, we don't have to work at the second one. The second one is going to take care of itself. Can you all hear me? If we'll lo- really love God, our ability to love people is going to be based on loving God. It's going to be supernatural. God does that for us. Okay, so let's keep going. He said, you've answered correctly. Do this habitually. Do it all the time. Do it your whole life. Do it every day. So, verse 29. But, wishing to justify and vindicate himself, he asked Jesus. So you can see, he's already trying to dig. And I can tell you that sometimes when I don't get the answer I'm exactly looking for, I try to find another back door to kind of satisfy my own desires. Anybody ever done that with God? Try to make Scripture work to my liking. So God stays in the conversation with him. The the man says, okay, Jesus, who is my neighbor? So Jesus replied, and he replies with a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he encountered robbers who stripped him of his clothes and belongings, beat him, and went on their way unconcerned, leaving him half dead. Now, Now, here comes the basis of all the jokes that you ever hear. There's a priest and a rabbi and a, okay? This, there's no joke here. Jesus does this on purpose, but listen to this. By coincidence, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. I'm going through this quickly. Don't miss this. A priest walked up on a man that's just been beaten and stripped, left half dead, sees him, and crosses the road and walks on the other side of the road. You all with me? Verse 32, likewise, a Levite. So now we've seen a priest and a Levite also came um, down to the, this, the place and saw him and passed by on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan or a foreigner who was traveling came upon him, and when he saw him, he was deeply moved with compassion for him and went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them to soothe and disinfect his injuries. He put him on his own pack animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii or two days' wages and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I return. Which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbor to the man who encountered the robbers? The man answered, The one who showed compassion and mercy to him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and constantly do the same. All right, let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we believe that this is your gospel. We believe that you are speaking. This is you speaking, Jesus. And Lord, I just ask that you would just let this sink directly into our hearts. Let us get this right. Let truth be known of what you're trying to say to your church today. And Lord, let us receive it and let us do it. Let us be doers of your word and not just hearers. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. We just invite you right now to teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to back up just a little bit. First commandment, love God. That's inward. Step one. Step two, outward. 
love your neighbor. Church has got to be an outward church. It cannot be an inward church. It has to be outward. The evidence of us being an inward church is the outward things that we do. Inward is good in that we have Jesus in our hearts. We truly love God. We are a church body who truly loves God. And the way that we know that is by the way that we are able to love others. When we're struggling with loving others, it is an indicator of where we are in loving God. Can anybody follow that? It's a good measuring stick to know where you are. Jesus is saying a way to check your heart is see how you're loving each other. Okay. So, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. Now, something I want you to catch is the man beaten never was identified. It's of no consequence. Who was identified were the people who either helped him or didn't help him. We're going to come back to that. But where we got details was on the helper, not on the hurting. Unfortunately, most of the time, we want the details of the hurting to, quant- to qualify whether or not we help. Thank you. <laughs> this is good. I'm telling you, it's going to poke you like the Pillsbury Doughboy. If you will allow, <laughs> it won't be that kind of response. Those younger people don't get that. Go Google it. Jesus intentionally used a man that would repulse the listener. The Samaritan was despised and detested by the Jews. They would have no dealing with them. So in this story, Jesus is trying to make sure that he gets to the heart. He's trying to separate between the bone and the marrow, between the flesh and the spirit. He's trying to say, you know those things you're having issues with? I want to deal with that in you today. Jesus is here to rescue us. When we are hurting, when we are struggling, Jesus rescues. If y'all were here at VBS, you would know that. Jesus rescues. So he's used somebody um, to repulse the listener. Why? I think it's for several reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is to deal with the issue of the heart. So if we look at the condition of our heart, a right relationship with God allows us to see people like God sees them, not like we've been programmed to see them. You've been programmed through your upbringing. Do you know you model your parents' behavior? Say that again. Speaking your language. We model our parents' behavior. When my kids act up, I usually will say, you got that from your mother. (laughs) As much as I have tried to break some of the mannerisms of my parents, I can't because they're in me. If you guys got to hear me preach my father's funeral two years ago, one thing I said is I am my father's son. I can't undo that. But on the flip side, when I really allow the Spirit of God to have root in my heart, I begin to show characteristics of my Father. That's how I can know what's really going on in my heart. If I want to know what's really going on in your heart, I'll listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. 
You can play a game for a while, but then your heart is going to start coming out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So a good way to gauge is my actions. Another good way to gauge where my heart is is by my words. What am I saying? What are you saying? I've told y'all many times, one time I, I, I one time just journaled the thoughts that I was having in my head, and I just did not allow myself to stop. I just started writing them down, and they were self-loathing thoughts. But I wrote them down, knowing what's in my heart. And when I could look at them, I knew they weren't true. But I needed to get them out of my heart and look at them. That's what the Lord's trying to do, is he's trying to give you a glimpse into your heart. The condition of the heart allows us to see people like God sees them, and God loves them with all their faults and their sin with their history and their status and their background. But when we walk to the other side of the street, it is ultimately because we are being judgmental, we're being selfish, we're being self-centered, we're too busy, and all the other stuff in our life is more important. Now, I know that's tough. Hang in there, hang in there with me. When we cross the road to the other side of the street, we are basically saying, sometimes this is what we're saying, he must deserve this. He must have done something wrong. Have you ever had someone, maybe you're dealing with an illness, and somebody tells you it has to do with your sin? I don't like that conversation. Jesus came to heal all the sick. Jesus came to, to heal all the sick. Jesus loves me even in the condition that I'm in. That's the heart that we're after. Sometimes we see the person on the other side, of the, on the same side of the road, and we cross the road thinking someone else will help them. I can't do it right now. Someone else will get that. A healthy relationship with God brings two things. It brings many things, but two things today. It brings eternal life. But it is also a healthy relationship with God will be shown by our love for each other. And a product of our love for God is that we will see people as God sees them. And I want to reverse that. And a, a healthy relationship with God the Father, with Jesus Christ, with His Word, with His Spirit, will allow us to see people as God sees them, but it will allow people to see God in us. Not only are we able to see people like God sees them, but I think more importantly, it allows the lost to see God. God is, we are waiting for some lightning strike to strike the unsaved people that, that we know, but God's waiting for the ones that have been filled with His Spirit to go encounter them. We're waiting for some miracle to happen, and God's just waiting for us to go get in the room with them. Because if our heart's right, we will infect them. God can't be in the room and not affect it. Did anybody feel the presence of the Lord when we were singing it as well? It was incredible. When God comes in the room, He changes the atmosphere. So when you come in the room and you genuinely have a heart for the Lord, you are genuinely infected with Christ. You are going to infect those around you. That's how I can know that my heart's right. 
because I'm different. So let me keep going. I need to wrap it up. I want to ask you the question. The question that the man asked Jesus, who is your neighbor? I immediately think of my literal neighbors, but I don't think that's correct. I don't believe that the Samaritan knew that man that he walked up on at all. So let's define, as Jesus gave us the story, let's look back at Luke chapter 10, verse 29. Luke chapter 10, verse 29, the expert in the law said, uh, okay, I'm sorry, here we go. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Next scripture. In reply, Jesus said, amen. Everybody say amen. That's all we know. The person that Jesus is showing us who is our neighbor, all Jesus tells us is a man. So, if you don't get anything else, the, different, the thing that separates this person, this man, is one thing. It was his need. This man was on the side of the road in need. His neighbor was the man in need. And I want you to also see that the Samaritan, it did, it, he did not have to go off course. It was who he encountered. You're going to see that the Lord is going to show you this week a man or a woman in need. Let's follow that up a little bit more. Uh, can you put that up? I, I had that big, big time in bold. Oh, I lost it. Let's try it again. There. <laughs> okay, I already said it like five times, but I want you to see it. By his need. So many times we, we try to, um, it's even in the man trying to justify himself. We try to justify why this person is not our neighbor. And I believe that what Jesus is saying here is, is there a person in need? So the good Samaritan, as he's walking up, what does he do? He goes and mends his wounds, puts some clothes on his back, puts him on his uh, animal, takes him to a hotel, puts him up for a couple nights out of his own pocket, and then tells the, uh, the uh, landlord, take care of him, and if it requires more, I'll take care of it when I get back. So one thing, it did require him money. And I want you to know, of all the things that he did, there were several things he did. It wasn't just money. But why would the Lord even identify money? Because it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's not the root of evil. It's the root of all kinds of evil. Money is not the only evil. The love of money is not the only evil. But it is part of it. He, was, he did have to give out of his own pocket. What else did it cost the Samaritan? It took him time. He had to stop along the side of the road. And it's going to show us that he had to leave. He had stuff he had to do. You may think, well, I'd just, I'd, I'm sorry, I just don't have time. Well, I believe that this Samaritan, if, if you could, could, could just go with me here, I believe he didn't have the time. He was going somewhere, but he stopped 
took the time. He also gave him, uh, it, it, he didn't judge the man. It was very inconvenient to him. But I guess what I really want you to see today is he didn't have to stop his life. He didn't have to leave all his responsibilities and only focus on that situation. He dealt with it, and then it said, I have to leave and go take care of my responsibilities, and I'll be back. Do you catch that? So many times we don't help because we think we've just got to give everything. No, your life still counts. Your life still matters. Your life's not going to come to an end. You can take care of it and give what you can, but then he came back and he followed back up. So many times we, are, we get a chance to help someone and then we never see them again. Slip through the cracks. We don't follow up. Let me tell you, the church, the church does this. I've done this. But I can tell you that the situations that I have followed up with, I have seen fruit from. Most of the time when there is no follow-up, they slip through the cracks and fall right back into what they're going through. The Samaritan didn't have to stop his life. He didn't have to give up his own responsibilities. Also, to, a, to kind of flip the coin, sometimes we help people and we leave our responsibilities. Then we wind up damaging our own family and our own job true ministry doesn't require you to fail at the stuff you're supposed to be doing so that you can take care of ministry. No. God doesn't want you to fail. God doesn't want you to lose your job. God doesn't want you to not have good favor with your boss or with your own family. He says, take care of it and then go take care of your responsibilities and follow up. Can anybody see that? There's a lot of freedom to know I don't have to give my entire life I just have to meet the need and then follow up, build relationship, get to know what this person's going through. We have people that come in here every single week that their lives are falling apart. Maybe we make connection, maybe we don't, but I can tell you that we have a whole nother level to go to. And I am so excited to know that I don't have to stop my life. Now, I do have to stop. I do have to make sure that I prioritize and take care of what needs to be taken care of. But I also want you to know that the, the Samaritan, you may say, look, I don't have two nickels to rub together. I want you to know the Samaritan just helped the, him out of what he had. It didn't require him to go sell anything. It didn't require him to go to the store. It didn't require him to sell his animal he was able to minister to that person with what they had, with what he had. I think that you will see story after story, testimony after testimony in the Word, when God needs something to work, like the, the twig that went in the water, he used what they already had, the oil in the cup. He told the widow to go get a cup, and all she had was just a little thing of oil. Go get all the cups that you can, and she, he, God used what she had. God's going to use what you have. Church on the Hill, where we sit today, God's going to use what we have. We don't need anything extra. We just need the Spirit of God, and we need to obey it. And then God's going to do everything.
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. But church on the hill, we've got to not cross the road. We've got to go meet the need. Our neighbor, who is our neighbor? The person in need. And it is people that you just encounter in life. We don't have to go drive across the world. Now, we know that there are people in Nashville. We know that there are people in Uganda. We know that there are people in need. But I want you to know this example is people in our life. If we can't take care of the people in our life, we're not going to take care of others. We've got to take care of the people in our life. All right, stand up with me. Change our hearts, Lord. Well, Father, I just thank you today. I thank you. You're such a good father. Thank you for Father's Day. I thank you for my father. Lord, I know that there are some here that have just had such a hard time with their father, and I just ask you, Lord, to just begin to rebuild that relationship between us and you and to heal that father relationship. Lord, I just speak a special word to fathers to just stand up and to lead their family. Just thank you, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you would begin to identify to us through the week, our neighbor. And that, Lord, that you would just lead us to how to help. And that, Lord, if it costs us a little bit, that you would just increase that. I believe that as I sow, Lord, I reap. And that, God, that you bless me with way more than I could ever sow. But so many times we miss the opportunity to sow. Lord God, change our hearts. If you're here today and you want to give your heart to Jesus, I just want to encourage you just to ask him right now, Jesus, come into my heart. Spirit of God, come into my heart and save me. Forgive me of my sin. It just says if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross, you will be saved. Don't make this too difficult. Confess him as Lord. Tell someone. We are here as a church body to help you, to connect to you and to help you. You may be here, you may be that, you may be that person in need, but we're here to help. Help us, Lord. Lord, bless our day. Lord, give us the best week we've had. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You guys have a great week. Happy Father's Day. Families, go take care of your daddies.